Well, good morning, church, and welcome to week one of our 2022 vision series that we're calling Deeper. See, the series was born out of a period a couple months ago where we knew that Martin was leaving and we were looking towards the future of what God had for this church. And so we as a staff, we came together and we took some time to, to pray together and ask God specifically, what, what do you have for your church? What are you calling this church to in 2022? Because I believe it's important that we be looking forward to what God is doing like five years from now. But I also think it's important that we be asking ourselves, what does God want to do in my life right here and right now? Five-year plans are great, but what is God doing right now? How can I get involved? And, and so we were praying about this, and, and as we were doing that, God kept giving us these images and these passages and these parables and stories that just involved water. And it was this message of joy and hope and peace and restoration that was framed by this idea of, of water. And, and through the process, God revealed to us that in 2022, he is calling this church deeper. He's calling me deeper. He's calling you deeper. Deeper into a relationship with God. Deeper into a place where you can receive his love. Deeper into a place where you can trust him and uh, rely on him and, and, and choose to surrender to him no matter what comes your way. And See, I believe that God in 2022, he has more in store for you than simply for you to believe in him and be saved and go to heaven when you die. I believe that God wants to do something specific in each and every one of our lives, that he has a promised future for your life, and, and he has joy and hope and peace and restoration and all of these things that he wants to pour out into your life. But some of these things require that we go deep. So over these next eight weeks, we're going to be just exploring this idea of deeper exploring what it means to go deeper, what it looks like to be in the deep. We're going to be taking a journey into the deep, stepping off of the shoreline, out of the shallows, and into the depths of everything that God has for us. So this morning, I, I really want to kick us off this morning, though, with an examination of what it means to be in the deep. What it means, what it actually looks like. Because I think as we introduce this topic and as we introduce this, I think it's important that we set a framework of this is actually what it means to go deep and why it's important that we get there. So, so this morning, I want to welcome you to the deep. And so in the English language, deeper, the word deeper carries a lot of different meanings and there's some that mean just random things, and I, I was looking at a dictionary, and I was like, there's like 26 definitions to this one six-letter word. And so I want to make it very clear as we get started what I mean by the deep, what I mean by deeper. So when we talk about deeper, there are two specific definitions that we're referring to, all in terms of water. First of all, being deeper is the state of being a long way from the surface such as the submarine was deep beneath the waves. And also, deeper means being located far inside of something. The whales are deep in the ocean. So it's the state of being a long way from the surface, which in essence for us humans, unless you know how to breathe water, means being in a place where you can't see clearly on your own, 
and you can't breathe on your own without some kind of help. And being located far inside of something for us, that also means being separated from the influences of society, being distanced from the voices that tell us what to do, and not, not removing ourselves from them, but creating a divide where we're saying, I choose to trust God instead of those things. So deep is a place where you cannot see or breathe on your own. You have to rely on something else to see and breathe. And it's a place where you are so far removed from what society is telling you about who you are and how you should act and what you should believe that those things don't matter. So think about it this way. How many of you have ever gone deep sea diving? Nobody. Okay, I figured. I haven't either. So I just was like, I want to see who in our church is really adventurous. Um, We'll make it simple. How many of you have ever seen a picture of a deep sea diver? Okay, okay. And if you haven't, there's one on the screen. Um, so a deep sea diver, I've never done this, but I have, I have family, my uncle and, his, and some of my cousins go deep sea diving all the time. Um, I've never done this, but, but I find it interesting. For somebody who wants to go deep or diving deep in the ocean, there's a few things that they need in order to survive. First of all, you have, you know, your wetsuit or your dry suit, which is essentially, it depends on where you are, if you're diving in cold water and warm water, but it helps regulate your temperature, and I imagine it also helps with that really creepy feeling of feeling something brush up against your leg. I, feel, I think it's a little bit better if you have a piece of cloth in the way. I don't know. Never done it. But, but they have a wetsuit or a dry suit. Then also they have like a goggle or goggles or mask or something to keep the water out of their eyes because how many of you have tried to look underwater in a pool? It's miserable. And then, of course, can't forget about the oxygen tanks that are, they have hooked up to them. And so they have all this equipment to keep them alive and to make it so they can actually dive and they can actually see what they're diving towards. And if it's a shipwreck, they can actually see what they're looking at and, and, and stay alive. And, and on top of that, deep sea divers, or divers in general, have to undergo extensive training. I was doing some research on this and trying to understand what the training entails. And essentially, it entails a written test, which you have to pass. I don't know what the percentage of pass-fail is or like if you 60 pass or 80 pass, but you, you have to know what you're talking about before they'll even let you near the equipment. And then you have to go diving with certified instructors in a pool. How boring does that sound? Um, but you have to go diving with certified instructors in a pool a bunch of times. I found different diving sites were saying like 40 times in a pool, 20 times in a pool, five times in a pool. I don't know, um, never done it. But, but you have to learn in a safe environment and then once you've learned in a safe environment, then they take you out to a lake or an ocean or wherever, the closest body of water that's uncontrolled, and you go diving, but of course, it's still with another, with the diving instructor who's still there. It's still a controlled situation before you ever get near a deep sea diving or diving down towards a wreck or something before you can go on your own. And so these people, they, they dive deep down into the ocean, and they're far away from society, they're far away from other people, they're far away from anything around them, and, and really they're relying on their equipment to keep them alive, 
And also they're relying on their instructions to keep them alive. Because the last thing you want to do if you're diving deep in the ocean is to be like, oh, shoot, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. I'm just going to call my friend. Like, no, a phone won't work down there. So you have to know, you have to rely on your equipment and you have to rely on your training in order to dive, to, to go diving and in order to, you know, stay alive. So when we talk about going deep with God, what we mean is relying on God, having total reliance on God, total trust in God that he will provide you with directions on where you need to go, and he'll provide you with what you need to get there so that you won't drown or you won't have problems, that he will provide you with what you need to survive, and it's a willingness to trust him over everything else that we see in the world and everything else that others try to tell us. Because just as a deep sea diver needs their equipment and their training in order to survive under the ocean, if we want to go deep, we need to rely on God and trust in God and trust the instructions that he has given us. We've got to go deep. In Luke 5, we find a story where essentially how it goes is Jesus is teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and a large crowd gathers and he's like, well, I'm not very good at shouting. I don't have a microphone. So he gets into this boat of a fisherman named, named Simon and, and he tells him, hey, can you just like push out into the water because, you know, use the water as amplification, just natural amplifications. It's great. And, and so he goes out and they're, they're in the shallows and Jesus is teaching this crowd and once he finishes... It says, once he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've fished all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down my nets. And when they'd done this, they'd caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So, I don't know, do we have anybody in the room who knows fishing? A few people like fishing? Okay, a few people. Okay, I've done it a few times in my life, so I don't know how true this is today. But, but back in that day, at least, the common wisdom for people who wanted to be successful as fishermen was go fishing at night. Because essentially how it worked, at least in the Sea of Galilee, was during the day, it got really hot, and then the fish were like, well, we're not going to hang out up here. We're going to go down where it's cold. And so they would go dive down deeper into the water, and they would stay away from the nets, and it would be more difficult to catch them. So, so the common business advice for a fisherman at that time was fish all night and sleep all day. And, and that's just kind of how it worked because they didn't have those fancy, like, uh, fishing rods and they couldn't cast, like, nets deep down into the water. They just had these round nets with some stones around them that they dragged behind boats and they threw into the water to catch fish. And, and, and so they, so Peter, he, or Simon, he, he had been in this boat and likely, based on the archaeological archaeological evidence we have of these boats. He had probably had like 12 or 13 friends or employees. I'm not sure how it worked, um, but with him. And they had fished all night long. And now it's morning. Maybe it's afternoon. We don't know. But it's no longer dark. The fish are now in the deep. And Jesus says, go out into the deep. Let down your nets. And what's crazy is that it didn't line up with the wisdom at the time. 
It didn't line up with what made sense, but Jesus is basically saying, hey, will you trust me? Will you trust me over your own wisdom, over the advice that experts give you? Will you trust me? And, and they go out into the deep, and they let down their nets, and they catch so many fish that as the story goes on, they actually have to call another boat over because their boat's about to sink from all the fish they catch. And what's crazy to me is to think about this story in terms of location. You see, if Simon had been standing on the shore, he could not have caught any of those fish. If Simon had been in the shallows, where he could see the bottom and where his feet could touch the bottom, he would have not caught any fish. Go back to the last slide. We're not there yet. There we go. But it wasn't until Simon went out into the deep, until he went into the depths of the water and trusted Jesus and put down his nets that he caught the fish. And what's really crazy about it is, is based on our, our knowledge of their boats at the time and based on our knowledge of their nets at the time, uh, historians estimate that they caught about one ton of fish, which means absolutely nothing to me, but apparently it was what they would normally catch in a two-week span. It's like getting your, one, your, your bi-monthly paycheck for one day of work. That's pretty sweet. It wasn't until the deep, he went into the deep and trusted God that he could receive what God wanted to give him. See, we've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. See, the reality is that God can't provide everything he wants to give us in the shallows. God can't give you the fullness of joy and hope and peace and life and freedom that he wants to give you in the shallows. It just can't contain it. But so many of us in the church like to live our lives in the shallows. It's cold water. We like to live our lives in the shallows. Because what's nice about the shallows is my feet are on solid ground. My head's above water, which means, you know, I'm in control. And so often we live our Christian lives in the shallows of the kiddie pool being like, this is all God has for me. But really we're just trusting in ourselves. We're relying on ourselves. And it's not until a big wave or something bad comes to us that we're like, God, save me, please. But we don't have to rely on him in the shallows. Because the shallows is all about control. My feet are on the ground. My head's above water. I can see the bottom. And I don't have to worry about anything else. I can kick water around. I can do whatever I want. I can worship God in the shallows. And it's great. But really, I'm in control. I get to decide who I marry. I get to decide who I sleep with. I get to decide what career I pursue. I get to decide what I do with my money, what I do with my time. I get to decide if I want to help a person or not. It's great. I'm in control. And I think so many Christians, we live our lives in the shallows. And we come to church on a Sunday, and we worship God on a Sunday, and we have our fancy Bible reading plans we feel really good about. And our nice, our nice, you know, our, our, anyone have a nice study Bible at home? Like you have your nice study Bible? And, and you join a group, yes! This is another tool in my tool chest. 
And, ooh, I memorized some scripture. This is great. And we're in the shallows. 2022, I'm going deeper. And what's crazy is how many people that we, I see in the church who, you're in the shallows, and you come to church, and you worship God, you praise God, and you have all these tools, and you have all these things, and you look really good. You can quote scripture. You pray over people. But you're still in the shallows because you don't trust God yet. You don't trust God. So you haven't stepped out of the shallows, and you're doing all these things, and really you just look goofy. I heard a pastor put it this way. Guy actually got this illustration from Mike Todd. He, he said, the church looks goofy asking God to do deep things in shallow water. But this is where we live, in the shallows. You see, the shore, the shore represents the world. This represents the people who don't believe in God, who don't trust God, who haven't made that commitment to follow Jesus. And so in the shore, you have some people who are right near the water and they're interested, and you also have some people who are so far away from the water that they're in a desert and like, well, the water must not exist because I don't see it near me. And so you have the shore, which represents the people who don't believe in God. And then you have the deep. It would really work if I had a giant pool over here, but we didn't do that. But we have the deep, which represents the people who follow God, who have surrendered to God, who trust God no matter what, who rely on God's will for their life and trust that God will always provide for them. But in the shallows, well, the shallows is this lovely position where you can believe in God and you can think that, believe that Jesus died for you, but you're also close enough to the shore that you can step out and reach out and grab whatever you want. And we live in this position with one foot in the kingdom and one foot on the shore in the world. And on Sunday, you're in the shallows. Yes, God, worshiping God. This is amazing. And you hear God's word, and you're just praising God, and this is great. But then Monday comes around, and someone takes you off at work, and you cuss out a coworker. And then Tuesday comes around, and you cheat on your wife with pornography. But Wednesday, well, Wednesday, obviously, you signed up for Gateway Academy. So you're obviously back at the church, and you're obviously learning about God, and you're back in the shallows. Whoa, this is great. But Thursday, well, Thursday, as you're driving to work, someone who just happens to be a different race than you cuts you off in traffic, and ooh. All those people are such bad drivers. And didn't they know that they don't belong in this country? And this is our country, and we let them in, and they should treat me with respect. And I know it sounds harsh, but have you been on social media recently? I'm just being real. Like, I've seen the number of people I've seen, both unbelievers and Christians, slamming on an entire group of people based on the actions of a few is ridiculous. But on the weekends, we're in the shallows. We're worshiping God. But in the week, we're just kind of doing whatever we want. We're treating people like garbage. And really what it comes down to is we start to treat a relationship with God as if it's a choose-your-own-adventure novel. 
Like how many of you guys remember a Choose Your Own Adventure book? I feel old now. So I haven't read one, seen one of those in a long time. But you know, if you haven't seen them, they're basically, Johnny's walking through the woods. The path divides. Do you go to path A? If you do, go to page four. Do you go to path B? Go to page five. And it's kind of you get to choose kind of what happens. And there's a bunch of different endings, and it's up to you. But we treat our relationship with God as if it's a choose-your-own-adventure novel, as if it's something where we can just cherry-pick ideas we like from the kingdom and things we like from the world. Like, I really like the idea that Jesus died for my sins. That's great. But I also really like the idea that I can just sleep with my boyfriend whenever I want, and that it'll be just okay. I can just enjoy one of the benefits of marriage without the commitment. That's great. So we're just going to take this idea of Jesus dying and this idea of sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and we're just going to package them together, and that's what I believe. Or I really like the idea that Jesus loves me, but I also really like all the teaching that I see from Hinduism and Buddhism and Muslims and, and whatnot, and, and, and we get confused and we merge these two different ideas together. Or I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do with my life, so I'm going to go get prayer. That's great. But I'm also going to go see my psychic. We package. I think we can just cherry pick ideas from the Bible cherry-pick things from the church and things from the world and just put them together. It's like, I like the idea that God is gracious and loving and caring and that he died for me. That's great. But I also really don't like when I feel convicted. So as soon as God convicts me of something or tells me I need to change or tells me that the way the world sees things is wrong and that I need to believe something else, as soon as something in the Bible doesn't line up with society, well, obviously the Bible is wrong. So I'm just going to package these I different ideas from the world and from kingdom and put it into one neat little faith. And we read verses in the Bible, like John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. We're like, yes, God! Woo! This is amazing! But then we read passages like Roman 1 where God gives his view on human sexuality and we're like, ooh, that's got to be wrong. We should just get that out of the Bible. And I'm not saying that when you read the Bible, you need to take every word literally because the reality is we have to understand the context to understand the original intent. But what I'm saying is we can't just discredit portions of Scripture because it doesn't line up with what's popular in society. But this is what we do in the shallows. I get to worship God, praise God, sing songs, have all of my fun toys, but I also get to pair it with whatever I want from the world. And the crazy thing, the crazy thing about this is that in the shallows, in the shallows, you're saved. Ah, I'm just going to relax here. There we go. In the shallows, you're saved. You can have all of your fun toys, and you're saved. Romans 10, 9 says if you believe in your heart that Jesus died and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah, great. You're saved. But you see, the problem with the shallows is it can't contain everything that God has for you. 
can't contain everything that God wants to do in your life. I'm going to try and keep my pack from zapping me here. And so God wants to pour out more joy, more grace, more peace, more life into your heart. But your shallow faith can't contain it. If you want to receive the hope and joy and life that God has for you, you've got to go deeper. Hebrews 6 puts it this way. So let us stop going over the basic teachings of Christ again and again. Let's go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. You see, really what I think is being said, if we take it into the context of this illustration, is what he's saying is, we got to go deeper. Can we move out of the shallows of basic teachings about God being good and God being loving and God being gracious and caring about you and salvation? And can we actually go to something that matters more? Can we go to maturity? Can we push on past that? Or do we have to keep going back to the shallows and rebuilding this over and over and over again to make you feel good? Can we go deeper? Can we move past coming to church on a Sunday to feel good? Can we move past doing things that just make us feel good for a moment and actually go into what God is calling us to? Can we move past the basic teachings of Christ and move into deep understanding and maturity? You know, I'm not really the type of person who likes to go swimming. I know it doesn't seem that way, but... But something about deep water just really wigs me out. And so, when I, I've done it before, you know, I've, I've done like the whole swimming across a lake, but have you seen our lakes here? They're like brown. And I know it's a whole thing with the roots and it's just the color of the water, but it's really weird and disconcerting to me because you step more than three feet past the shore and you can't see anything. And so for me, you can ask my wife this, but when, whenever we're at a beach or something, I like to stay on the shore. And if I have to go into the water, well, I'd like to go only as far as I can see the, the ground. My feet can be on the ground. I don't like to go deep enough that my head would be underwater. I just don't like that. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with, well, one, swimming is my least favorite form of exercise. Like... Consider, oh, all these other exercises are great, and swimming is just like the worst. And two is, I just, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can relate to this, but have you, how many of you have ever had, like, something brush up against your leg in deep water, and you don't know what it is? Like, I don't know about you, but I hate that. It's usually just algae or something, but I've read too many stories of the crazy fish that live in the Amazon River that anything that touches me, I'm like, I'm dead. That's it. We're done. 
And so for me, part of my hatred of deep water is that I don't have the endurance as a swimmer to survive super long period of time. But part of it is also that fear of the unknown. What is underneath me? What will happen to me? And, and so for me, swimming in deep water means, well, one, if I run out of stamina, I'm done. And two, if something brushes up against me or something wants to eat me, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> Don't even see it coming. So a few times I've gone to the beach or swimming with my wife. I've stayed either on the shore or in the shallows where I can see the, the water. And, and, you know, the reality is if you're at an ocean and you're not confident in your swimming abilities, maybe don't go out in the deep. Because there's things like undertoes and sharks and other all kinds of things like that. And I know sharks don't actually kill people, but, you know. But in our faith with God, in our faith with God, if you only stay in the shallows, you're missing out on the depths of what he has for you. See, the deep is a place where only God is in control, where you have to rely on God, where you have to trust God, where you choose to acknowledge, I can't do this on my own. The deep is a place where you don't have the option to swim back to the shore just because it's difficult. Like you can, but it will take time. It's a place where you have to rely on God and, and, and get your feet off the ground and get your head beneath the waves so that your mind can be changed and transformed. Romans 12.2 puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You want to know God's will for you, you've got to get in the deep. Or another translation, the Passion puts it this way. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age. Because society will try and tell you exactly what you need to believe and how you need to act and what you need to do. And too many of us like to stay right here in the shallows where we can be influenced by society but also believe in Jesus. But we have to get distanced. We have to get into a place where God can transform us. Where our minds can be renewed. And as our head goes beneath the waves, as we stop relying on ourselves and our own thinking, God will begin to change your mind. See, so often people get confused about the church, and they're like, oh, well, the church is just a list of rules, and I need to do this and do this, and I can't do this. Well, no, that's shallow water thinking. So if you're in the shallows, maybe you need a list of behaviors on, and do's and don'ts. But if you're in the deep, God's changing your mind, so those things that you shouldn't be doing aren't even going to cross your brain. You're not going to be thinking about them. You're not going to be considering them. You're not going to be worried about if I followed the law or not because God will be transforming your brain and conforming you into the image of his son so that you become more like Jesus. See, for too long, we as Christians have chosen to live in the shallows and have missed out on what God is doing for us. And we just do this thing where we go to church on Sunday because it's the fun thing to do or the right thing to do. Where we worship God on Sunday because that's what everyone else is doing. We listen to a message, but we don't actually receive anything that God has for us. And then the second that God's like, hey, maybe you should give of your time and maybe you should give of your money. Oh, God, that's too far. Why do you need my money? Well, he doesn't. He wants your heart. God's like, hey, 
maybe you should join a group. Maybe you should get into community with other believers. Well, God, I don't want anyone to know my story. Okay. Well, that's shallow water thinking. God wants to take you deeper. You can't receive everything that God has for you in the shallows. We'll close in a moment, but I want to leave you with two, two final thoughts here. One is that the shallows are not safer than the deep. See, we think because we can just see the bottom and our heads above water that we're safer because we're in control. But the reality is that the shallows are not actually safer than the deep. Because your safety is not hinged on what you can do for yourself. It's hinged on what God can do for you. In Matthew 8, we find a story where Jesus is in a boat with his disciples, and he's just sleeping in the back, and his disciples are freaking out because there's this massive storm, and they're bailing water out of the boat, and they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, save us! We're going to drown! And Jesus gets up, and he doesn't just be like, oh, wind, be calm. First thing he does is, you of little faith. You of little faith. He rebukes them for their little faith. You see, you're not safer in the shallows. Your safety is not dependent on if you can be in control. Your safety is on, dependent on who's in the boat with you. And if Jesus is in your boat, there might be a big storm. You might think you're going to die, but guess what? The God of the universe that created you loves you, and he's going to take care of you. That's the promise we see in Scripture. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. And it doesn't matter how big the waves may seem. If he's with you, you have nothing to fear. So you can hang on to your contingency plans and your savings accounts and your safety nets and all those things that you want, but your safety does not depend on if you see a way out. It depends on if Jesus is with you. The second thing is this. Going deeper requires surrender. Matthew 17 says, Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who, want to lose their, or those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life, or what will they give in return for their life? And this is a verse that a lot of people get stuck up on, because it's all about losing your life and saving your life and whatnot, and we get a little confused and we think it's all about death. But the idea is, uh, what Jesus is saying is, the pers- is basically the person who stays in the shallows, well, Your feet are on ground, so you're not relying on God, and so you're just collecting things to make you feel safe. I have all these fun things, all the money, all the houses, all the cars, all the the 401ks and savings accounts and retirement funds, and, and you're in the shallows, and you feel safe, but it's like whoever... Um, but he's like, whoever does not lose their life, who wants to, whoever wants to save their life, well, they'll lose it. Do You see, no amount of money in the bank will help you in heaven. You could have $10 billion in the bank, and that's worthless in heaven. Rather, Jesus wants us to come out into the deep. Not to forget about the things that we need to survive, but to get out into the deep where we trust him over those things. 
get out into the deep. And, 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 he sa- and this is why he says in Matthew 6 as well, that for whoever, or um, do not store up treasure for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasure for yourself in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And so Jesus is saying, a follower of me must deny themselves, which means die to your own desires. The world might tell you you need that fancy speedboat in order to be successful or in order to be happy. But deny those urges and focus on what God is calling you to. Deny yourself. Die to your own desires. Take up your cross. Embrace God's will for your life no matter what. And follow Jesus no matter the cost. You know, the reality is people will always freak out like, ooh, what if I put my trust in Jesus and he fails me? Well, guess what? I think the God of the universe who created everything and created you, might know what he's talking about. He might have an idea on how to save you from those problems or how to help you through those things. The shallows might feel safer, but ultimately everything you hold on to in the shallows you will lose in eternity. And God is calling you deeper. He's calling you to surrender, to trust him over yourself and over your wisdom, to listen to him, to rely on him, to trust him in the deep. I'm going to close in a moment, if I can have the band come up. But I want to give two opportunities for people this morning. The first is for anyone who's in this room or listening to us online, and you're here and... You've never taken that step off the shore into the shallows. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've heard the reality that he died on the cross to save you from your sins, to save you from death. But you've never made that decision this morning. And I want to give you that opportunity. See, the reality is we believe that God can transform your life, that he can change you. God took me from being a liar, impatient, frustratingly annoying, person who my mom wanted to kill at the age of two. Took me from being addicted to pornography, somebody who would just tick other people off just because it was fun, and transform me. He didn't make me perfect, but I'm progressing, and it's because of what Jesus did for me. So if you're here this morning, And you're saying, Darian, I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. I've never made that decision to believe in Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. So if I can get everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Because this is a moment between you and God. No one is looking around. You don't have to worry about somebody seeing your hand up. But if that's you, I'm going to count to three in a moment. And all I want you to do is just slip up your hand and put it right back down. One, God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, if you want to step out of the shallows and into the water, just slip up your hand and put it right back down. Come on, come on, hands going up across the room. Yeah, yeah. Yes, God, yes, God. You guys can open your eyes. You know, the beauty of what Scripture tells us is that when one person comes home, God celebrates because we're all his children. 
one child of his returns home. He is so excited. So those of you who made that decision this morning, God is rejoicing. He loves you and he cares about you and he's celebrating what you just did this morning. The second thing I want to do is for anyone who is here and you are in the shallows. Maybe you've believed God for a long time, been a Christian for a long time. Maybe some of you have been a Christian maybe since you were four years old. And you've just been standing in the shallows, worshiping God, thinking this is all that life has for me. And you're saying, well, I, this is not enough. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. If that's you, we're not going to do anything super profound. Because the reality is I can't force you to go deeper. Deeper requires a conscious decision day after day to say, God, I trust you first. I give you control over my life. It means waking up in the morning and praying, God, today I trust you and I give you control over my life. So all we're going to do as a church and those of us who want to go deeper today, what I'm going to get us to do in a moment is, is, is we're going to there's going to be some declarations on the screen, and all I want us to do is to read them out together and declare them. Because I believe there's power in declarations because it serves as a reminder to us of what God wants to do in us. And then if that's you and you want to go deeper, Dan's going to talk about this in a sec as well, but we have a bunch of resources for you online. Gateway.ac slash deeper. We've got these declarations that you can download and print off or have on your phone can declare over yourself every day. A worship playlist that will help you just get into God's presence. Some different um, Bible study, Bible study tools that you can use. As well as we have a bunch of different books as well that we would recommend you read if you want to go deeper. Some of them are only available on Amazon. We have a few available in the gift shop as well. But this morning as we close, I just want us to stand together and declare these things together as a church. Say this together. Three, two, one. In 2022, I declare, I am a child of God. I have been adopted as royalty into God's family and am no longer under condemnation from sin because Jesus won absolute victory for me. I am a joyful servant and trusted friend of God. I will obey his calling and his leading no matter where it takes me, knowing, me that, knowing that he will never lead me astray. I trust God with every aspect of my life. He has promised to never leave me or forsake me, and I take him at his word. I choose to rely on God no matter what problems I face. Jesus provided the answer to all my problems before I even had them, and I trust his solutions over my own. I am an active partner with the Holy Spirit who is working in me to change me and transform me into a new person. I willingly follow his voice and leading as I become more like Christ by his power and love. Father God, I just thank you for your people, God. I pray for each and every person who made that decision to follow you, God. I, I just pray that they will experience your love this week, God. That you will fill them with your love and your power and you will remind them of who they are and help them as they go deep with you. 
And God, for the rest of us who believed in you for a long time and are just wanting to step out of the shallows, God, I pray that this week you will convict us. As we open our eyes in the morning, you will challenge us to move past the basic things, to move past the pretty Bibles, to move past the prescribed prayer lists and Bible reading plans and whatnot. But God, we will trust in you alone. God, we believe that you have the power to change our lives and that if we trust in you, you will pour out your blessing upon us. So God, I just pray for your blessing, your blessing of joy, your blessing of hope, your blessing of healing, your blessing of freedom from addiction and from anxiety and from depression. God, fill us. We are here waiting for you and we trust in you. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.